Welcome to the Harbour City Podcast. We are a church in the East African port city of Durban, South Africa. Get to know us better at harbourcity.co.za or at Harbour City DBN on social media. We are currently going through the book of Galatians and we hope you enjoy this message. Well, we've got to Galatians 6. Um, so probably been 15 sermons, I think, to get us to this point. Um, next week, we'll do a summary. Eugene's going to summarize the, the, the book for us next week and try and pull some things together. But I'm going to take us through Galatians 6 today and, um, and hopefully um, help us understand something. Galatians 6 is quite hard in comparison to, to the others because at some points it feels quite disjointed. Uh, I don't know if you've noticed that, like reading it, as, as it was read, you were like, wow, this is about bearing burdens, and then it's about sowing to the Spirit, and then it's about, and then he ends, you know. Um, so it does feel a little bit disjointed uh, at points, but my hope is that as we get into it, um, that we can help pull some of the ideas together in Galatians 6 and as we land, see something of, of what this all means. Is that okay? Everyone okay today? Let me make sure I'm following along in my notes. So, four things that we want to cover today in Galatians 6 is one look at confidence, one look at friendship, one look at spiritual discipline, and then we're going to come back to this idea of, of confidence. But to look at confidence, we actually have to go to Galatians 5, verse 25. Most theologians will say that when the guys were, were dividing up scriptures into verses and, and chapters, most commentators said that they probably divided this one up wrong. Now, bear in mind that the, the Scriptures were never written with verse numbers. So when Paul was writing a letter, he didn't go, oh, this is going to be six chapters with so many verses. That came later. It came later in uh, uh, significantly later, hundreds and hundreds of years after the actual letters were written. And they realized how helpful it would be if you could put verse numbers and chapters in place so that you could say, hey guys, we're reading from Galatians 5 verse 20. And people would go, okay, we know where to find that. Um, so it was there to kind of help us uh, read the scriptures and to find it and to uh, help people find things when you were talking about something specific. But it wasn't how it was, was actually written. So most of the, the commentators say that probably when they split this up, they should have started Galatians 6 from the final verse of chapter 5, which says, let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Let us not become conceited, or uh, uh, older translations say, let us not become vainglory. Uh, let us not have vainglory. Let us not become overly confident about who we think we are. Let us not be filled with vanity uh, about ourselves. Um, and, and so this is essentially where Paul is starting this, this final argument that he's going to get to. He's going to start this argument by talking about where our confidence lies. 
Um, where does our confidence lie? And some people, their confidence lies in themselves. And he is challenging them not to become overly confident in who you are. Um, and John Stott says, says this, because uh, this kind of determines some things. John Stott says, he says that our conduct towards others is determined by our view of ourselves. Um, we've tried to track some of this through the last couple chapters, and when we looked at Galatians 4 and we talked a little bit about identity, uh, we said that we live from our identities. You know, the, the way that we live is determined by how we see ourselves. Our, our conduct towards others is determined by our view of ourselves, as John Stott says. So he says, don't become conceited, don't become uh, vainglorious, don't become, uh, you know, filled with vanity about who you are because it will begin to shape how you treat others, provoking or envying. Um, so um, what happens is when, we, when our confidence lies within ourselves, um, when we're, our identity is shaped by th- things that we hold to in ourselves, we end up treating people in one of two ways. Um, We either look down on them, provoking them, or we envy them. We disdain them because you see that they're better than you. Um, uh, So so you envy. It's like um, people who are proud are often insecure. Uh, So they both look down on people. They need to look down on people to make themselves feel important, but they also envy people. They, they filled with bitterness towards people who do that thing that they're proud of better. Um, so I don't know if, if you've noticed that, but often, sometimes we find those attitudes in ourselves. As our confidence lies in our own abilities, as our confidence um, in this life lies in how good we think we are in some areas, um, we find ourselves either looking down on others or becoming envious and bitter towards others. We either look down or try and disregard um, some people. Um, So often one of the ways that we kind of test where our confidence in this life really lies is just ask yourself, who are you envious of? Bitter towards. Who do you look down on? Um, and then you begin to start seeing where some of our confidence lies, whether it's in wealth or in security, whether it's in our goodness, how well we act. Um, you, you know, you, uh, someone looks at someone as like, oh, they're just trying to be better than everyone else. Yeah? Uh, often when someone's using that kind of language, um, it could be because their own how good they are. So when they see someone being better, they want to look down on, I, I mean, try and, um, you know, the bitterness comes out. Um, or, or maybe you s- see someone acting in some way and you're like, yo, I'm glad I'm not like them. Um, that kind of language gives away where our own confidence lies. This is where Paul starts us, and he's going to end coming back to this idea of confidence. But before he does that, he takes a detour, 
And that's, uh, we're gonna take two detours quickly and hopefully bring it all back together to confidence. Is that okay? Your Galatians is fun. Friendship's important. Um, friendship's important in the spiritual life. And uh, Paul is gonna highlight something of, of that. Uh, where he goes on this meandering saying, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. So one of the things that we have to do is the language can be a little bit deceiving here. When it says, um, if someone has caused sin, you who are spiritual, some of the translations say you who are spiritual. When we read that, what we think is that Paul is talking about a hierarchy of spirituality. So it's like the very spiritual must help the not so spiritual. Um, I don't know if you've ever read it and maybe thought that. That's maybe what Paul is, is saying. What most of the commentators will say about this is that what Paul is saying is you who live by the Spirit, you who are in the Spirit, you who are essentially born again. Um, what he is saying here is that part of the role of the church, of the community of the church, is to help one another. Uh, to bear each other's burdens, to help each other through difficulties and struggles. He's talking, in one sense, about friendship, about spiritual friendship. And there's three things that I, I want to highlight about this um, that hopefully will, will help us. The first thing that Paul highlights, um, what, well, the first thing we, we will cover is he says... Um, he says that each person should carry their own load. Each person should carry their own load. He then talks about sharing one another's burdens. Um, and then he talks about doing that with those who are spiritual or those who are born again. So when I want to talk about friendship on three kind of levels. The first is, is that each person should carry their own load. What, what is Paul saying here? He's saying that healthy relationships, healthy friendships, each person carries their own load, which means they take responsibility for their lives. He's, he's going to get to a point about sharing one another's burdens, but when he's talking about carrying your own load, he's basically saying sharing your burden with other people doesn't negate your responsibility to take responsibility for your life. So, so I think he's warning us against some some type of friendships where one party is always burdening another party and just never seems to be getting their lives together in any sort of way. I think what he's trying to highlight to us is that that is unhealthy. So if someone is always coming to you for help, but they are really lazy, I think what he's saying is like, hey dude, carry your own load, like get up, do something. Oh, you know, but I just need help all the time. I think what Paul is saying when he's talking about carrying your own load is he's basically saying we each need to take responsibility for our lives. We each need to carry that which we need to carry. Doesn't mean that we won't go through difficulty where we need other people's help. You know, Lisa and I both come from like 
more British kind of, which is is kind of like, you know, self-control, make sure everything's right. You know, when when you're when you're at a family gathering, everyone's so ordered. You don't, yuck, you don't want to burden people. You just, you want to live like this disciplined, good, ordered, like self-controlled kind of life. And you don't want to overly burden anyone, you know, like you, you feel bad bringing up any issue or, or whatever. It's kind of like a stoic idea of like, if you're going to suffer, suffer alone, you know, just uh, hold it together, like, don't cry, like what is, you know, cry in private, like all of that kind of thing. Um, and sometimes that is, is our kind of idea of, of how we are to live our lives, is don't share our burdens with anyone. Um, we must just suffer alone. And some people are the opposite. Like we said, they just like, every burden I'm going to put on you, you know, and you can carry it and I'm just going to be carefree. Um, but, but what Paul is saying is he's saying that in the church, amongst the people of God, we are called to share one another's burdens. We are called to share one another's burdens. We are called to, to help people who are going through struggles and be helped when we go through struggles. Um, we're called to share one another's burdens. So I think about this. We go on camp in two weeks' time. Um, so in two weeks' time, we're going to go on camp. Not everyone can afford to go on camp. Burden for, for someone. And that's not because they're lazy or anything like that. It's just the state of life that they're in, the place that they're in, whatever it is that they're going through, they just can't afford to. We as a community are care, are called to share one another's burdens. So some people can help others. So maybe if you are here and you can't afford to go to camp, and maybe that's why you haven't signed up. Here's one last pitch for camp. I know we've made a lot of pitches for camp. You've got like a day still to sign up, you know. But, but if that is the reason... We are called to share that burden with you. You're not called to, to hold it alone. We are called to share it with you. So if you can't come, we'll make a way for you to come so that we share that burden with you. But it may be a bunch of other things. So it may be we're struggling with an issue at home. We're struggling with a personal issue. And we've, we've tried. We tried. We living a responsible life, we're doing things, but we just can't get over that burden. We're called to share it with our community, with our friends in the community. We're called to bear together. That is what Christian community looks like. We share burdens with each other. So Tim Keller tells a story about Jonathan Edwards' um, book on the poor. And he says this, he says, one of the biggest objections to helping the poor and being a community that cares about the poor, one of the biggest objections that always comes up is I don't have, in, I don't have any space in my own budget to give to the poor right now. 
Um, and what Jonathan Edwards says is he says, often the way we think we are to help people is when we've got extra capacity, then we will help. So we help people as long as there is no bearing burden, as long as it's easy, as long as I've got this extra money and I'm going to give it and I'm not even going to feel it at all, as long as I've got this extra time and I'm not going to feel it at all, then I will give, then I'll be generous, then I will share, then I will help. But that is not what the passage calls us to bear. To bear means to carry the load, to feel some of the pain and the discomfort. Being a community with one another means that we bear the burden. It means that sometimes we don't give out of our excess. We give in a space that we feel the pain of it. We bear the load with someone else. As they feel the pain, we feel the pain. As, uh, uh, so oh, I don't have time to do that. Well, maybe if you, we shift some things around, we would be able to bear the burden. Is he's calling us to the kind of friendships where we take responsibility for our own lives, but also are able to share our burdens that we just can't seem to get over with others and also share other burdens in our own lives. And he says we do that with those who are spiritual. I don't know if you've got spiritual friends um, you presume you would because we're all here in a church. And, uh, uh, but I know some people don't have spiritual friends. And uh, what Paul is calling us to is friendship with people in a community who are spiritual, who are born again. Um, and there's, I think there's, there's a number of reasons for this. I think um, some of the reasons are is that when you go to someone for advice, for help, um, you, you need someone who can lead you or help you or direct you in God's ways. Um, he, says, he says one of the things is that we must be careful because as someone comes to us and they struggle, we ourselves can fall into that struggle. Stuck in the very thing that they're stuck into. He's warning us against that. But is that is part of the reason why we should have a community of people who are spiritual, who can help us direct our lives through our burdens towards the way of God and not away from it. I don't know if you've ever gone to someone for advice before. Maybe it's a friend and you say to them, oh, I'm really struggling with this. I need help. And then this is the kind of response. Oh, but you're amazing. I think what Paul is kind of highlighting here is that the kind of friends that we need are the kind of friends that are gonna direct us in our struggles towards God. Those who are spiritual, those who are born again, those who are of the family. What does he say? Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people who belong to the family of believers. It's like, let us live with all people. But don't forget, we're called to live together, live together with the family of believers. We're called to carry our load, but we're also called to share one another's burdens with our spiritual community.
Moving on to the next sidebar point. Spiritual discipline. Um, so goes on to say, he says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. But whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Paul is, is here at this point. He's talking about how we live our lives, essentially. What are we giving ourselves to? Um, and, and part of, of what most of the commentators say is he's directing our gaze towards whether we are living our lives just consumed with the here and now or whether we're living our lives being aware that our lives, um, the way that we live has a bearing on eternity. He's directing our gaze. But part of what he's doing here is he's calling us to consider what we give ourselves to. What we give ourselves to. What are you giving your time and your energy and your thoughts uh, to? And, and he contrasts this and he says, those who are sowing to please the flesh, giving themselves to their King James Version talks about this, the carnal desires, the carnal nature. Those who are giving to the carnal nature versus those who are giving to the Spirit, giving to God's ways. Um, So here's the question I ask myself often, is what are you feeding? Feeding your flesh or are you feeding your spirit? Those who want to live a spiritual life what are you feeding, your flesh or your spirit? Could you imagine two dogs and one you fed every day and the one you didn't? The one would grow strong and the other would grow weaker and weaker each day. It's kind of like this illustration that Paul is talking about. Like what are you giving yourselves to? That which you give yourself to is where you're going to reap from. Uh, so I think about this when I think about social media often because social media, you know, they put the best minds in the world in social media to try and make us addicted to it. And they're really good because I don't know about you, but ever open Instagram and you're like, I'm just going to look like my friends kind of like feed for like two minutes. 45 minutes later, there I am scrolling those 30-second videos. I'm like, why am I still scrolling this silly videos, you know? And you can't like get away from it. You're just like, wait, one more, one more, one more. It's like, it's like a drug. Um, but what are you feeding? What are you feeding? And often I find myself with social media, what are you looking at? Oh, people traveling the world, people uh, people these cool little things. I look at pen videos because, uh, uh, you know, it sounds stupid, but I've got a pen store, so I, I geek out in stationery. Um, so, but, but you're like looking at it, and all of a sudden, you find yourself, you're like, Lisa, we need to go on holiday. <laughs> like, I don't know why, but I'm suddenly feeling like I have to go on holiday, like now. And then someone else goes on holiday, and what happens? That like, do not become, do not be conceited because you, you might provoke or envy and you're like, oh, that person going on holiday. They always on holiday. You know what? They should be at church sometime. <laughs> you know? um, and and what, 
I mean, what, what is happening? You're feeding your flesh and what you eat, you're reaping from your flesh certain ways of living. And, and it might not just be what you look at when you, you're looking at the screen. It could be what you're giving your time to. Uh, um, your, you know, your spare time to is, is I'm, we, we had friends of ours that uh, just always working on their home. And over time, you just begin to see as they give themselves more and more to their home, like that becomes their idol. They, their relationship with God just, disintegrates because their home is everything, because they fed their whole lives on giving themselves to their home. What what may what are you feeding? What are you feeding? What desires, what things are do blends come into place? Um, so Silent Saturday, taking moments to reflect, taking moments to stop, deliberate moments in your time to not feed your flesh, to feed your spirit. This is where the practice, the age-old practice of what some people call a quiet time. Uh, for some people, it's not a very quiet time. Pray very loud or, or however it is. But that practice of the quiet time, of stopping, of reading the Bible daily or prayer comes into play. This is where the practice of things like Sabbath, taking a day a week or taking deliberate time to stop everything else, uh, to rest, to relax, to focus on God, the spiritual disciplines of giving. This is where um, the spiritual discipline of giving comes into play. Giving uh, time and time again, practicing that so that carnal nature does not have its way. It's the practice of disciplining ourselves to direct our lives towards. What are you feeding? Often when I'm in a bad place, that's the question I have to ask myself. And screen time, do you get that like weekly screen time thing um, on your phone, like a pop-up that comes up on a Sunday? And that's like the worst because it comes up on a Sunday and you really should like reflecting on Jesus and it pops up and you're like, you spend an average of five hours a day this week on your phone. You're like, what? It's like a demon in my phone. But like what are you giving yourself to. And often when I'm in a bad place, it's because I've noticed like I have just been giving myself to my own carnality instead of deliberately shaping myself, directing my life to God. Can we end with confidence again? Paul ends this chapter um, and at this point he's not, using an amanuensis to, to write the, the letter. He comes in himself and he's like highlighting to them that he's, this is a really important right now. He's uh, engaging with them himself. Um, and, and he says, he says this as he ends, never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. 
Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is the new creation. Peace and mercy to all follow this rule. And what we're confident in. What do we boast in? Boasting uh, at that time would have been like a military term. You know, um, if you remember the, like David and Goliath's story, it's like one side will stand and be like, look at our giant, he's massive. Look at you guys, you're a bunch of dweebs. You know, like, you know, like they, they would boast. They're like, we're so strong, you guys are never gonna win. Um, you know, like they, they would boast. They would elevate their, their strengths and they would use it almost as like an intimidation tactic um, uh, for, for their enemy. But it wouldn't just be an intimidation tactic for the enemy. It would rouse all the soldiers. They would be like, yes, we have the biggest guy in the world on our side. We're going to crush you. We're going to destroy you. Boasting would be the way in which they would display and show um, where their real confidence lied. How are they going to get victory in this life? How are they going to win? They would boast in the thing that gave them the most confidence. Paul says this. He says, there's only one thing I boast in. There's only one thing I boast in. There's only one place that I find my true confidence in. And what is that? It's in cross of our Lord same thing he started with to the same thing he's gone over and over again through every chapter of Galatians. He's reminding us that our confidence only comes from one place. Where does your confidence lie? Question he is asking us. It is the thing that he is challenging on us uh, over and over again. He's saying your confidence does not lie in how good you are. Your confidence does not lie in whether you are circumcised or not circumcised. Our confidence does not lie in our church attendance. Do we attend church more than someone else? Our confidence does not lie in looking at our neighbors and thinking we live better lives than them. Our confidence does not lie in anything but in the gospel of Christ. If it lies in any of those other things, then what you're gonna do is you're gonna provoke and envy. You're gonna provoke and envy. If your confidence lies in your church attendance, you're gonna look down on those who don't come that much and you're gonna be critical of those who come all the time. If your confidence lies in your goodness and how good you are, you're gonna look down on your neighbor who is not as good as you and you're gonna try and belittle those who are better than you. If your confidence lies in anything other than the cross of Christ, we become the kind of people that are conceited in the very thing that our confidence lies in. But Paul says this, he says, my confidence, my boasting, my boasting is only in one place. And he's bringing us back to the message of the gospel, which is the message of Galatians, that our confidence lies in Christ, in Jesus and what he's done. Look down on people. What is that thing that causes you to belittle people? Causes you to envy? That is a highlight. It's a little road marker in the way. 
It's reminding us that our confidence should only be in the cross. For reminder, from chapter 1 to 2 to 3 to 4 to 5 to 6, Paul is building it over and over again that we who have come, become the body of Christ, we who have given ourselves to Jesus, we have confidence only in one place. And that is in what Jesus has done. If you're broken by life, Pierre, and you feel like you've tried to do all the right things, but you still find yourself not feeling good enough or being super critical of others, maybe you're here and you need to be reminded again that it is only because of Jesus' death and resurrection that we are saved of you. Maybe you're here and you've just noticed you've become super critical of people for some reason. You find your conversations are always looking down on people. You've just become really critical all of a sudden and you feel really uncomfortable about it. Maybe today's a reminder to you that your confidence has shifted from the gospel to something else. Jesus is calling us back this morning to boast only in the cross of Christ. To boast only died for us, not because we have anything special to give to him, but because of his love, he gave himself for us. Can I pray? um, I pray that you would help remind us, even as we try to do that this year by going through Galatians, that our hope, it's not because of us, It's not because we come from certain family lines. It's not because we live good lives. It's not because of our church attendance. It's not because we give money to the poor. It's not because of any of that. It's because you, Jesus, gave yourself for us. Because of you. Because of what you've done, not because of ourselves. And I pray, Lord, that you would... Even as as we've gone through Galatians, you would cement in our hearts, Lord, this quiet, real, deep confidence in you. That when we go through difficult moments, even at times when we sin and we feel like the, the guilt and that just rising up, we would remind ourselves that we only have hope, not because we have not sinned, but because you died for our sins. And so I pray, Lord, not just for now, but for the years to come, we will remember over and over that you are our only hope, that our identity comes from you. Confidence is not in ourselves, but it is in the cross. I pray, Lord, for for us. I pray for anyone who's struggling, Lord, that you would remind them of the cross and that you would also help us to bear one another's burdens. I pray for the sword in Jesus' name. Amen.